Uh, there we go. Much better. Uh, thank you for tuning in again live. Today is Sunday, November 12th. It is 101 p.m. Um, and this is the Skill Building Sunday Drawing Group. And I am your host, Jason Leeser. And please tag a friend and drop a comment uh, and let me know if this is working for you and if I'm coming through loud and clear. Um, and welcome to Guy Aitchison's Reinventing the Tattoo Community. Where tattooers, apprentices, collectors, and the curious are encouraged to join in these live streams, real world events, to share and inspire and ultimately create better art and tattoos together. We beam out nearly every day and with your help have evolved into a quality network of amazing live and on-demand tattoo and art shows that have all been receiving rave reviews. You can find Reinventing the Tattoo in both of the app stores, the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store as well as our Reinventing the Tattoo YouTube channel, our Reinventing the Tattoo Roku channel, which has 12 to 15 different episodes going at any given time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, as well as all of the major podcast directories, such as Apple and Spotify. Or you can do what most people do and just search for Reinventing the Tattoo in your browser and you'll find it all, except for the book, which is still currently out of print. But no matter where you were watching live or on demand, you can always find the latest, most up-to-date information all available at www.reinventingthetattoo.com. You can try it out for free. You don't have to subscribe right away. You can uh, choose from one of three options. We have the first option, which is a sample webinar from the Reinventing the Tattoo Canon. Or you can choose to get some free advice from Guy Aitchison about your unique goals. Or you can take a comprehensive tattoo history course from Jay Brown. For fellow tattoo history nerds such as myself, this course is amazing. Highly recommend the tattoo history course. Um, can't say enough good things about it. At www.reinventingthetattoo.com, you can also find a full event schedule with full weekly and special event live stream details. For example, if you wanted to jump into today's live stream, you can go to the event schedule and there is a link and a calendar uh, posted that has links to all of the live events coming up. At reinventingthetattoo.com, you as well have access to the Reinventing 24-7 channel, which is a lot like our Roku channel. It's got 13 different episodes playing 24 hours a day, seven days a week, as well as access to over 20 world-class tattoo artist professional development courses, including people like BJ Betts, Bob Tyrell, uh, Andre Malcolm's got a whole bunch of different seminars in there. Um, you know, I highly recommend that. Uh, we're joined by Seth Mushrush. Um, and let me just finish getting through this intro, Seth. Um, we have a number of weekly staple shows we always encourage people to tune into, starting off on Sundays at 1 p.m. with me, Jason Leeser, and the Skill Building Sunday Drawing Group. That's followed on Mondays with four separate shows. Starting off on Mondays at 9 a.m., we have Drawing for Tattooers with James Wisdom, where we get to go through and we discuss basic drawing techniques and strategies to help us get back to our roots of being a fine artist. That's followed on Mondays at 11 a.m. with the Tattoo Weekly Show, hosted by Gabe Ripley, Lauren Gregory, and Jake Meeks of the Fireside Tattoo Network. So if you're looking for a show with the current events 
going on in the tattoo industry, take a look at the Tattoo Weekly. That's followed on Mondays at 5 p.m. with another show called Let's Talk About Feelings with Robbie Ripple, where we get to go through and we've got a safe place to go through and discuss certain things that maybe other people in our lives can't really relate to because they're not part of the industry. So if you're looking for a place to go through to vent, to get ideas and talk about certain things going on in your life with other tattoo artists, take a look at Let's Talk About Feelings with Robbie Ripple. Once again, that's Mondays at 5 p.m. Capping off Monday evening at 9 p.m., we have a subscribers exclusive drawing group with Sandy McAndrew from the Reinventing the Tattoo Network. And that is only available to people that have a subscription to the Reinventing the Tattoo Canon or the, oh, excuse me, Reinventing the Tattoo Evolution course. Monday's shows are followed on Wednesdays at noon with the Tattoo Now show with Gabe Ripley, where we get to go through and do a deeper dive into the business aspects behind tattooing. Um, and maybe it's travel visas, maybe it's marketing or strategies or um, you know, figuring out decent rates and all that stuff. Uh, that's all discussed on Wednesdays at noon and the Tattoo Now show with Gabe Ripley. Capping off the week at Thursdays at 6 p.m., we have the Tattoo Collecting 101 podcast with Fawn Baker. Um, it's a great place to go to listen to people's stories on their tattoo collections and where they've gone and what they've gotten done and by who and all the things that led up to it. We also have a special event coming up Reinventing the Tattoo will be live from the International Puerto Rico Tattoo Convention, December 1st, 2nd, and 3rd in beautiful San Juan, Puerto Rico. Uh, I will be joined personally with uh, James Wisdom and Seth Mushrush, who's on the call now, as well as phenomenal artists such as Fast Alley, Jimmy D'Alessio, Bill Canales, the Dragon King will be there live in person. Uh, Fibs will be there, all of the Tex family, James, Anthony, and Ali May. And that's just a few of the incredible artists that will be in attendance during the International Puerto Rico Tattoo Convention. Um, if you are looking for a reason to take a vacation, highly recommend you take a look at Puerto Rico. Uh, it is going to be an absolutely incredible show. Highly recommend you take a look like to go through now and thank some of our sponsors and some of the people that make this show happen starting off with worldtattooevents.com the largest most comprehensive resource for tattoo events worldwide they're constantly keeping everything updated as we know living in this post-pandemic era there are still certain tattoo events that are getting rescheduled like crazy so if you want the latest greatest most up-to-date tattoo event calendar in existence Take a look at worldtattooevents.com where you can find listings for tattoo shows and events coming to a city or town near you, or maybe it's one you plan on visiting. Take a look at worldtattooevents.com. We'd also like to thank tattoonow.com, technology for tattooers, the leading edge in professional development, management, and digital tools for tattoo artists of all levels. Uh, they are constantly keeping everything upgraded and they are competitive with any type of CRM mailing list and scheduling software out there. They also have a new AI chatbot, which is super awesome. So if you're looking for the digital tools to really help you get more people to come through the door that want to get the kind of work that you really want to do, take a look at tattoonow.com. 
It is the number one resource for tattoo business technology. Would also like to take a look at GuyHison.com. He is the founder and inspiration behind reinventing the tattoo. You can go to GuyHison.com where you can pick up a copy of his Biomech Encyclopedia, uh, some of his tutorial DVDs. I believe he still has a few custom coil machines for sale, as well as occasionally original oil paintings, all available at GuyHison.com. Would also like to say a very quick shout out and thank you to Amy Nichols over at the Apprenticeship Diaries. If you are looking to become a tattoo apprentice or know someone that is, tell them to look into it. It's probably the number one resource for tattoo apprentices and apprentice hopefuls that you could possibly find. Uh, we always ask that if you like today's show, please go through and post a positive review on the channel. Help us get the word out. Make sure to hit that like and subscribe button to stay updated on all of the new shows coming out. And if you would like to host a Reinventing the Tattoo event, become a sponsor of our community. Or if you're looking for a fine art or a tattoo critique, you can always email management at reinventingthetattoo.com and we will get back to you as soon as we can. That wraps up the intro for us today. Uh, we've got Seth with us today. Go ahead and feel free to unmute yourself, Seth. And today's topic there, is actually there, I am. Sorry. <laughs> there you go. Today's there you topic go. is going to be one that Seth and I have discussed and covered many, many times over the years. Um, and that's preparation. Um, I always feel like preparation is a great topic to be discussed because I think it's something that a lot of people that are currently out there um, just, I, I mean, it's something that we're starting to see a lot more of in this day and age, which is great, but I think it's still something that needs to be covered because it's a huge thing in this industry, right? Uh, if you're going to work at a tattoo convention or even just day to day, be prepared for it, right? Do your drawings ahead of time. Make sure that when that person shows up, you are set, ready to go, ready to tattoo. Like you are there to do that tattoo and you have done all of the prep work you could have possibly done or needed to do in order to make that happen. It makes the day go so much smoother. Um, I'm actually working on a number of brand new uh, designs that I'm going to be taking down to the Puerto Rico show with me this year. Um, and that's something I've been kind of plugging away at for the past, uh, I don't know, a couple of weeks, maybe. Um, but it's something that I always find very, very helpful whenever uh, I'm planning on working at a convention, getting new stuff drawn up for every single show, new original designs. You know, make sure that you're set up. You've got line work on hand, set and ready to go at whatever size you want to tattoo it at. You know, if you've got to make some last minute modifications, fine, not a big deal. But, um, you know, it's like it's something that really can help you stand out from the crowd. Um, sometimes, you know, we run into clients. I know Seth runs into clients all the time that want to make minor changes or little variations on stuff that can be done. But, you know, it, it's really, really helpful to go through and, um, you know, be prepared. Do your homework ahead of time. Uh, makes sense. It's a lot. And it makes life so much easier. What do you think, I, Seth? Uh, 100. 
100% of the time, my clients never make any changes. I'm, I'm always just exactly what I draw is exactly what they want every single time without fail. Never made any changes my entire life. Is my nose drawn? Oh, yeah. Right now? Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm about to say, you about to get struck I, uh, by lightning there, buddy. Yeah. You're driving that car. About to flip my truck. I, uh, I have to, I have to say, you know, being prepared is, you know, a lot of times people in our business tend to get lazy and I, I've certainly been guilty of it. You know, you become lackadaisical about something or overconfident about something and end up approaching a project with, you know, the, the wherewithal, like, I got this, I can handle it. And even if it's something that you plan on drawing on them, you know, for the sake of the design being more organic or, you know, that's just what you're going to be comfortable with or it's a complicated cover-up, it, it always helps to try and do a little bit of legwork, if not all of the legwork. Like, if you're not able to lay it all out ahead of time, then do a couple of sketches. Do some quick thumb studies, you know, and, and see if some thumbnail sketches and, and, and uh, studies on a small scale to see if it'll work on a large scale or play around with it, you know, uh, in Photoshop or Procreate or whatever you're, you know, just tracing paper, old school, right? Analog stuff. Um, work that stuff out ahead of time. It's kind of like, you know, being a, a doctor or a surgeon that's, you know, top of their field and knows what it is they're doing. You can have all the confidence in the world, but I guarantee you that the best ones still do research before they go in. They research the patient. They research the project that they're stepping into or the, the procedure that they're stepping into just to make sure that they're they're up to date and, you know, everything's dialed in. So you're not second guessing, you know, I mean, you can compare it to many different things, but um, yeah, nothing really uh, speaks volumes to your client than being prepared for anything that comes your way when the when the day comes. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, there's there's always going to be times that, um, you know, personal opinion, of course. Uh, I think there's always going to be times that people go through and you're going to have to make some changes on the fly um, and you're going to have to make some adjustments. You're going to have to sure. make some last minute alterations. Um, maybe they changed their placement up overnight. Maybe they decided that they wanted to add another leaf with another family member's name. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it happens, you know, it, there's no getting around it. It happens all the time. Um, you know, people are allowed to change their minds and people are allowed to make last minute decisions. Um, that is part of, you know, their choice. And at the end of the yeah. day, your clients have a choice whether or not to get tattooed. I'm not saying that choice doesn't come with a cost. Like if you cancel right. on me last minute, there's a cost associated with that. I don't care who you are. Um, sure. That is not something that I am very fond of. Um, yeah. Because this is how we make a living, right? So. Absolutely. You know, it's like I try to show up every day and I'm. I try to be as absolutely prepared as humanly possible. Not to say that, you know, if I get a walk-in client that comes in that I didn't expect to be tattooing that day, fine. 
not a problem. Sketch it up on the spot, do what you got to do, you know, make that money. Um, you know, but at the same time, if it's a scheduled appointment, I'm doing my homework. I'm going to reach out to them in advance. Like, Hey, um, I know when you came in for that consultation, we had, you said you had some reference photos that you wanted to go off of and wait, things that you liked and things you didn't like, and you wanted to stay away from, um, but you never sent those to me, you know, your appointments a week away, I'm trying to be prepared for it. You know, can you send me that information? You know, I have yeah. no problems reaching out to clients about stuff like that because that's, what's going to make or break their tattoo. And that way I'm not wasting time. Yeah. Yeah. You have uh-huh. to have accountability. You have to have accountability with, uh, with clients uh, for yourself. You know, if you're taking a tracing and you're, you're acquiring all of these pictures, you know, don't let them sit on the shelf. Don't put them in a drawer and forget about them. Work on it. You know, even if it's, if it's a month out, plug away at it a little bit at a time. Uh, my, my method. And then I had be interested to hear what, what you do and, and what you do, Jason, but my method for making appointments and then doing the consultation prior to the appointment, because those are two separate meetings, right? In order to right. make the appointment, I need the person to come in. You know, they can contact me via email. However, you know, I'm setting it up now where they'll, they'll fill out a form online, but they still need to come in in person to talk to me, you know, because having that conversation in person, you can really iron out a lot of things that are much more difficult to do via social media or email or anything, you know, even a phone call, just way easier to talk face to face. You know, you can kind of see what exactly it is that they're looking for. Um, now, that may be two months away from the actual appointment dates. So what I do is I try to judge about how much time I'm going to need to draw something up. OK, so let's say, for example, it's a uh, half sleeves, floral stuff and some water, whatever. Uh, I say, you know, I, I might need two weeks to work on that draw. So I'll make the appointment, you know, a couple months out and then make another appointment for their consultation about two weeks prior to the appointment to give myself enough time to draw. And the phrasing it, that I like to give to the client is, you know, I'll have you come back in for, because usually when this happens, I'm, you know, they come in and make their appointment. I'm usually tattooing somebody else or whatever, you know, there's other things going on. Uh, I don't know any tattoo artist that doesn't usually multitask like that. So what I usually do is I, I tell them, I'm going to have you come back in about two weeks prior to your appointment. Uh, that way we can go over everything again. At that point, I'll take a tracing of your arm um, and we can discuss in detail, you know, because I have the time put aside what it is exactly you want and make sure we're still on the same page, make sure nothing's changed between now and then. Um, and then that way, when I go to do the drawing, everything will be fresh on my mind. You know, I'll have all the information I need right out in front of me and it's not sitting in a drawer for a couple of months. So, uh, and they always seem to really appreciate that. And it works because then they come in and then I get hyped for the tattoo again. It's hard to say really motivated for a piece. If you, if you, you know, park it on the shelf and you're preoccupied with, you know, nine other projects over the next month and a half. You know, to come back to that and have that same fire that you had during the conversation you had with the person. So it always helps me when they come back in again and I can sit down and, and have that time put aside, dedicated to them and to our conversation. Um, and then, you know, that way I feel like, you know, there most of the wrinkles are pretty much ironed out. And there's a clear trajectory of where they want this project to go. And I know how to take them there. So 
you know, that it takes a lot of the guesswork out of it. See, so I'm, I'm one of those people where if I'm scheduling time for someone to come in, um, you know, say they reach out to me and they want to get something done. Great. Let's have you come in for a quick consultation. I don't care if it's six months out. I mean, I don't typically book that far in advance um, on purpose, but you know, I, I'm one of those people where for me, the first time I meet that person and they come in and they want to talk about their tattoo, I like to make sure that I've got undivided attention and time just for that person. Um, especially during that initial meeting, the initial time when they come in to talk about their tattoo. Um, I like to make sure that that is 100% focused on them. Um, and a lot of the feedback I've gotten about that is that people really appreciate the fact that it's very one-on-one. I'm not distracted. I'm not, um, you know, in the middle of tattooing someone else. Occasionally I will do that, but I always like to make sure that they know that they've got my full attention. Um, and that I, that their tattoo is number one priority. Uh, so I always try to schedule that and make sure that I'm available for them. That might be what you do during your second uh, run in with them, your Correct. second consultation. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's difficult something... to. It's... Go, ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I was going to say it's for some artists, it is very difficult to do that uh, at their whim, at their availability. Um, and that's kind of the way that things go. Um, you know, more power to you. I, it's just something that I started doing and it's something that I found to be very useful. Um, yeah. Once again, you might do that during your second one and that's awesome. Um, me, I like to make sure that I take as many detailed notes as possible during that first consultation. I'll take a tracing if need be photograph of the body part. If I have to squeeze a tattoo in between other tattoos, sometimes several photographs. If you know, yeah. I'm trying to, squeeze something in that kind of, you know, crosses like certain visual planes. I want to make sure that I've got a photograph of each individual plane and one in the middle so that I know exactly how it's going to sit in each spot. Um, You know, but that all comes down to the homework and that all comes down to the time that we spend and the time that we put in preparing for the tattoo. You know, it's, um, I, I do something very, very similar with my process, um, albeit on a different timeline. Sometimes I will have them come back in uh, to kind of check it out, size it up, make sure it fits the spot right, make sure it's in line with what they were thinking and what they had in their mind. Um, and if yeah. they don't like it, well, then they can go to someone else. Um, huh. but that's my <laughs> style. That's my style. You hear that from coming from a lot of tattoo artists nowadays, and it's like, yeah, my style is doing tattoos. Right, uh, my style is correct. making the client happy. Exactly. You guys as, long, correct. as long as I, yeah. I have that client leave that day and they are happy with their tattoo, I'm doing my job. That's my style. Um, because it's very much, no matter who you talk to, anyone that's been in this industry for any length and period of time knows that this is a customer service oriented field. This is not, you know, a very uh, selective kind of thing. There are 
thousands and thousands of tattoo artists out there in the United States alone in this day and age, people have a choice whether or not they go to you. Um, it's very much customer service oriented. Be kind, show up prepared. Don't show up hungover from the night before. Don't show up still reeking like booze from the night before. Or, you know, don't don't have gone outside and smoked a, a bowl before your client gets in. Um, you know, it goes to stand for professionalism and preparation. You show up yeah. with for yeah. a consultation yeah, with me. And I am on point, man. I am set. I'm ready to go. I've got my notebook together. I've got my measuring tape out if it's a bigger piece. I've got different ideas in mind. I've got questions written down that I'm going to ask my client. You know, do you want it in color? Do you want it in black and gray? Uh, if it's floral, what flowers did you have in mind? Oh, you don't know? You just like pretty flowers? Okay, cool. Let's take a look at some that I have saved on my iPad in my library. You know, do you like exotic or are you going for more classic? Um, you That's know, and I'll a great idea. Never thought about that. Just having, I like having, that's a great idea. Cause like, you know, like people like that, but I can have a set, you know, these, not only are these the flowers that I like, but these flowers mean these particular things. And I can Bingo. add these to, you know, enhance your tattoo. Yeah. That's a great idea. You know, it's, um, it's something that, uh, what do I have on here? Uh, where did I? So just to give you an idea, in my flowers folder alone, um, so these are just some of the ones that I have on hand. I've got camellas, asters, narcissus, Venus flytraps, gladiolas, thistles, poppies, daisies, roses. I've got 954 different photos of roses on here. So if they oh. can't find a type, size, angle, or perspective that they like, then they don't want a rose. <laughs> uh, you've got now, 954 different options. Is that your... Uh, this is on my iPad. iPad. Okay. This is all saved in my photo albums. Um, I also have daffodils, water lilies, forget-me-nots, peonies, irises, chrysanthemums, lily of the valley. Um, I've got cherry blossoms, sunflowers, geraniums, uh, another folder of like day lilies and calla lilies. Some stargazers are in there as well. Lotus flowers, violets, anemones, orchids, um, wild roses, also known as pink dog roses or shrub roses, uh, hibiscus flowers, shrub roses, plumerias, stargazers, which are also part of the lily family, um, bonsai trees. I've got different ideas for trees of life saved in here and different types of different species of trees. It's like, cool, here's my iPad. Look through some pictures and tell me what kind of flowers you like. Um, granted, there's always people out there that want different stuff. You know, maybe they want a blue-eyed Susan, or maybe they want, um, you know, uh, silver bells, or snowdrops, or dewdrops. Um, that cool, awesome, yeah. Let's do that. Um, I'll I'll get some ideas together and. You know, we can figure it out, but at least this way they've got an idea of different stuff. Um, oh, and I do uh -huh. the same thing with like, um, you know, say someone comes in and they want, I don't know, a, a gorilla, right? Maybe they want a gorilla tattoo. 
Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, I've got about 60 different photos of gorillas in different poses, different perspectives with different facial expressions. Um, let's, let's figure out what it is you're looking for. Uh, maybe it's not a gorilla that you want. Maybe it is um, a chimp or an orangutan or uh, those blue face, weird looking monkeys that look like they've got the big fat lips. Um I forget what those are exactly called, but they're actually really, really gibbon. cute. A gibbon. Are those gibbons? But they have the blue faces, the one that looks like Rafiki from... Uh, no, no, uh, no, 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 no. No, I'm thinking of um, a very different uh, type of monkey. Um, okay. I hear the blue face. That's what I thought. I believe well, they're, like, yeah, they're blue face snub nose monkeys. And they look yeah, wild, yeah. man. They look really, really wild. The amount of, uh, the amount of, of, uh, like preparation and organization that, that you do, um, is, I mean, that's, that, that's really what you want, you know, like I, yeah. I, I know, like, I would love that, but I also know myself enough to know that I I will tend to do the research on a project when I know what the project is. I might set up some things ahead of time, like here and there, like, oh, you know, I'd like to do this piece, or here's a couple drawings that I like to have. And I always keep some, you know, Jason, you've been to the shop, there's their drawings taped to every ceiling and wall around that place. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, there's there's always things to do that haven't been done. Um, but uh, I just don't have I, I know myself and I know that if I set if I do all of that work ahead of time. I will not be as sharp as I would have having had the conversation closer to the action. True. Um, That's very and, true. And I've also done like extensive work on certain projects only to have the client you know, damn near pull a 180 with what, you know, right. I still want to get tattooed, but all this stuff is different. And that's how we end up with those things where it's like, well, I, you know, at least I got this drawing now that I not tattooing this, but I can put it up on the wall and maybe somebody else will get it at a different date. So it's, it was more of a balance of that. And a lot of like personal life. And I know a lot of tattooers have, you know, like you travel a lot, you do all these podcasts. I mean, that's the fact that you can do all of that work is just, really impressive like to, to have all of that so i mean you know, all those flowers and stuff ready to go um i usually go a little bit more uh, i don't want to say off the seat of my pants with that but in the conversation like an organic conversation where it's like you know they might say i don't know what kind of flower i want and then you know i might try to direct them by asking you know maybe flowers that mean something is there a trip that you've been somewhere like kind of let the conversation at that point guide their their kind of uh, uncertainty or, or decision making. Uh, and right. that might be where I run into problems where it's like, you know, that's why I have to meet with them again, because we have this conversation and they were so loose with what it is that they want. Now, I haven't gone so far as to start implementing these uh, these uh, forms to fill out questionnaires ahead of time. My coworker does. She has them go so far as to set up the appointments themselves like they 
they have access to the calendar. They, you know, she knows how much time she has. She'll say, look at, at this month, find a spot this time. And they plug themselves in. I mean, that's, and she's busy all day long. Um, right. But I think like everybody has the most important thing is that you're operating within your comfort zone, especially if you're just getting started. You know, you should absolutely be putting in as much work all the time. You should be putting in as much work and homework as you can ahead of time to make sure you're prepared. Um, but work within the parameters of what it is that you know how to do best. Right. Like and that doesn't mean like pigeonhole yourself into one style of art. You guys are both correct in that. You know, we are paid illustrators. You know, we provide a service. Our service is tattooed. I, I don't like the idea of saying, you know, telling people like I don't do color work or do black and gray work or, you know, no, traditional stuff isn't for me. That's I, I feel like, you know, you're selling yourself short. A tattoo is a tattoo. You can have fun with any of them. It's our job to make them as interesting as possible and as unique as possible. Even if it's something they bring in and it's a Pinterest style tattoo, you know, you can offer some things that you can change to it or ways that you can make it unique. And in the end, they might say, no, this is what I want. And it's our job to do it. Um, but something that really kind of grinds my gears is when, uh, you know, a client, like you said, Jason, they have the right and reserve the right to make changes to things. And if they decide they want to change something, I'm, hey, listen, you know, I really thought about it. And the more I thought about it, and I, I feel like, uh, you know, I don't want a Marlin. I'm more of a freshwater guy. I really want a, a bass. I'm looking for like a, you know, a, a, a large mountain bass tattoo rather than a, a blue Marlin. I've only been deep sea fishing once. Whatever story they have. When right. artists tend to get frustrated with that and then they get all flustered, that's not them being mad at the client. That's them having a reaction to their own I don't want to say mispreparation, but like their their own uh, uh, work ethic, you know, like, you know, I, I, how can I say this? And I know what you're me. talking. Yeah. It, yeah. People get so, really uh, frustrated with the client. Like, it's like, come on, man. Like, they, this is, a, this is a good job that we have. And it's okay if they change their mind. You know, we haven't made this mistake yet. It's not on the tape. You know, we might have, we, we might have all the things to do so, but nothing's been technically cooked yet at that point, you know? Right. I think what a lot of artists get frustrated at is the fact that they didn't bother to sit back and maybe ask those questions or toss sure. those ideas out in the initial consultation or when they right. first had their client reach out to them. Like, oh, cool. Right. You want a fishing scene? Great. Um, I forgot to ask you if you wanted freshwater or deep sea. So right. now I've got this fishing boat drawn up that's for deep sea fishing. And, you know, I've got this silhouette picture of a guy holding a tuna and you were thinking more something on a riverbank with, you know, a right. guy casting a fly rod. Right. Right. Um, and, and that's where people get into like that, like what Harry was saying, where he's like, you know, they, uh, where people will, um, you know, I, mean, I lost my train of thought with that, where they're, they're trying to ask uh, questions about what specifically it is that the person wants. Um, we need to have that knowledge. It's like you have, okay, so you have your preparedness. Like if you're having that conversation with somebody, you can hand them your iPad, right? Mm -hmm. And help direct them with that. Um, I, I, I have like uh, in, in like an image bank in my head where I'm like, okay, you know, they, they say they want a lure. 
or they want to fish. Okay, freshwater, not okay. What kind of lure do you spinner lure do you want to chatter with? Like all of these different things. Uh, just being well versed, right? Like right. don't pigeonhole yourself into something where you're gonna not ask the right questions of the client and then turn around and be mad at them later. You know, like that's you know, it's our job is also to engage them in conversation to find out what it is they want. So many artists are like, you know, you got to bring in what it is you want and then you got to show it directly to me. I, I just, I don't think that's that our kind job. Of stuff, I think people it, forget to draw. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's, that's kind of what we see a lot more of nowadays. Um, we, we are starting to see a little bit more of a switch going on as far as, um, you know, things going into more of a niche industry. And I do believe that that is happening and that's great. But at the same time, you're right. I, I completely agree. It's our job to ask questions of our clients so that we can visually help provide to them what they are looking for. Um, yeah. You know, and it, so a lot of my preparation comes down to uh, a few years ago, Oh, uh, maybe more than a few, probably, oh God, maybe eight years ago, I had a woman come in and she wanted a full half sleeve of uh, like full upper arm, full color, half sleeve of lilies. And I'm thinking, okay, cool. Great. Not a problem. Shouldn't be difficult. We set up the appointment time. Didn't bother asking any kind of questions. Didn't really bother to get any specifics just said, cool. Yeah, let's do it. When do you want to come in? And just kind of left it at that and um, ended up having to go through and, you know, had them come in, you know, on the day of their appointment, took a look at it and they were like, oh, I was actually thinking about something like this, you know, and like these types of lilies as opposed to those. Turns oh, out the man. person that, was a, uh, a florist and they knew exactly what kind of lilies they wanted. Um, and I didn't bother to reach out to them. You know, they didn't mention anything specific about what they wanted. And that was my fault for not asking them, you know, so I take a lot of personal responsibility when it comes down to preparation, but I had spent hours and hours. This was pre iPad days. So you had to go through and look through books and find your own reference photos and, you know, do all that kind of stuff and be like, okay, how is this drawn? How is this going to look? Um, you know, and then figure it out from there. So I had invested many, many hours into getting this whole half sleeve drawn up just to find out that I was focusing on the wrong thing. So I started to go yeah. through and collect pictures and do stuff like that so that that way, the next time someone came in, it wouldn't even be a question, you know, in my mind, it would be cool. What were you thinking? How did you want yeah. this to look? You know, I'm trying to save everyone time. I'm trying to save everyone, save everyone frustration, you know, and I'm trying to give the client more of what they want. Um, that's just kind of the way, like the purpose behind what I'm doing. But it's our responsibility as tattoo artists to ask our clients questions. Find out as much information from them as you possibly can about what it, what's in their head. What are they looking for? If they're open to ideas, if they are open to suggestions, if they are open to whatever I want to do, great. That's awesome. I, I love that. 
yes, by all means. But I'm going to get some information from you first because what I'm going to draw up and what you may have in your head might be very, very different ideas. You know, and that's, I love it when people come in and they say, I don't know, just do your thing. And it's like, all right, but you're probably not going to like it. Um, but don't get yeah, me wrong. That's I've such got, a crap shoot. I hate yeah. when people do that. They, they, what I, what's interesting is they think that like we like that, but no, we actually don't. You know, well, that, I'll turn around. I'll tell people flat out. Okay. I'll do my thing and I'll come up with something, you know, awesome for you. You need to give me either a direction, a style, um, a subject matter. You need to give me to point me in a direction to go in and I'll take off sprinting. But if you don't provide me at least basic instruction, I'm just going to draw something and you're probably not going to like it. Yeah, you don't want to run <laughs> right. 10 miles in one direction and find out the race was happening the opposite way. Exactly. <laughs> right. You know, I, I actually had a guy recently come in and do that. And he's like, no, I'm sure whatever you come up with, you know, I, I know what you do and it's going to be sick. Um, and I'm like, oh, well, thanks for the vote of confidence. Um, and he right. didn't want anything huge. So I was like, okay, small tattoo. Cool. I'm going to have fun with this. And I'm basically going to show this guy like, you know, listen, you probably should have mentioned something to me about what it was you wanted. Just not to kind of prove a point, but um, just because, you know, I wanted to have fun with it and it was a different idea. So I was like, yeah, we're going to, he said I could do whatever I wanted. So here you go. Here's what I came up with. And it was a uh, PDSM rubber ducky. Nice. <laughs> nice. I mean, we're talking like full leather restraints, spiked collar, ball gag in its mouth. Like, I went to town on this thing, right? Yeah. That's and I you showed it. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Hold on. You went to town on an S&M rubber ducky? I just Absolutely. Make sure. Okay, just checking. Yeah. I mean, he right. had limited time that day, so we didn't get to finish it just yet, but uh, oh, he was drawing. thrilled. Yeah, he was thrilled with it. He absolutely loved it. He's like, this is not at all what I expected to come from you, and it's awesome. The, so, uh, the only time that that really worked for me with the uh, where somebody says, like, oh, whatever you want, this is about as far as I'll let that conversation go is – uh, he had a half or he had uh, two full sleeves from uh, uh, Marty, the cast. And, and he says to me, uh, he's like, oh, I want something Japanese. I want to do the lower half of my leg. Now, I know Marty's style. I know I, I'm looking at his arms. I see what's there. I see what subject matter he already has. And you're talking about Martin so, LaCasse, right? Yeah. Yep. And he says, I want, uh, you know, I want I want the lower half of my leg. I want to kind of like fill this whole area, knee to ankle all the way around. He said, I said, well, what, something Japanese? He goes, yeah, definitely something Japanese, but I mean, whatever you think. So this is about how far the conversation went. I've, I've always wanted to do a Fudo. I haven't done one up until that point. I pull out the, the Fudo, my, my book, and uh, I show it to him, and we're flipping through. He's like, yeah, I like this stuff. At that point, I can then say, all right, well, which one of these is going to make the best use of his space right like which which angle am i redrawing this at how is this going to fit all right i got that down okay so now i need to figure out what kind of elements does he do you prefer water do you prefer you know he's usually surrounded by fire i can do anything you want 
He's like, I like the flames. Okay, perfect. You know, so that's a, an example of kind of, kind of dictating where the con consult and conversation is going while still allowing them to actually make the decision, right? Like I'm, I'm turning them this way or that way, but allowing them to say yes or no. Um, and then he's like, well, what do you want to do on the other side? You know, on your mask, something like that. And oh. I'm like, that doesn't really go, doesn't really go with that style. Maybe, uh, right. you know, you the dragon, maybe you do something like oh. that. He goes, Oh, dragon. I like that. So then we pull out dragon reference. We start flipping through that. I'm like, well, you know, maybe we could position it this way or that way. Just kind of like, that's just a, a, an example of how, you know, taking the time and patience to have a five minute conversation with somebody that wants to get tattooed by you, but doesn't exactly know what they want. You know, how you right. can kind of turn that conversation into definitive answers. Dude is so psyched. He wants to do his other leg. Like, and he's trying to go all the way up his leg, I think. So like, we're getting to do something that we want to do, but we're allowing them to make the decision. And when they came in, all they had was, I want to do the bottom half of my leg. That was it, right. you know, and, 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 and possibly that he wanted a particular, you know, style. If, if it were traditional work, I, I would have went directly to all my traditional stuff, you know, okay. Are you thinking something nautical or are you thinking something, you know, classic, uh, you know, Western Americana, what do you think, you know? Um, but we have to allow ourselves to have that conversation and not get frustrated with the person and not, it's another thing that really burns me is when people are like, well, you know, you should do it like this because this is what I like to do. And it's like, they're not asking you to do exactly what it is you want to do. Usually when somebody says, ah, oh, whatever you want, they have something in mind already. They just, yep. they're having trouble dissecting it, you know, and it's our job to kind of bubble. Chart. Remember those bubble charts we used to make? Oh, uh, yeah. I'm going way back in English class. Yeah. You write the subject in the middle and then you have the little branches coming off. And from each one of those branched out bubbles, you have other subsidiary branches. That's kind of how you have to work that conversation. Right. Like you're but you're doing it with visual imagery. You know, right. what and, are um, some um, some some because I, I, I do kind of get that a lot. You know, I, I used to kind of like turn clients away. When they didn't know what they want, I'm like, well, you know, just come back to me when you know what you want. But sometimes I do want to like have little tricks in my pocket to say, well, maybe we could try this, maybe we could try that. What are what are some things that you kind of have in your toolkit to help you do that? Uh, well, I think um, a, a big part of it is first of all, know that if they're walking into the shop like that, right? Let's say they're not coming to see you specifically, but they're coming into just a tattoo shop. They want to get tattooed. They don't know what it is that they want, right? At that point, try and put yourself in their shoes, okay? They want to leave with an appointment. I'm not sending them out of there without, you know, and, and it's my job to, you know, try and dictate, not dictate, to kind of curtail that conversation, to direct the conversation softly, you know, in, oh. in, into what, it, what their interests are. My couple of big questions that I like to ask and it's, it's kind of like my own form letter you know the, the thing a company will send you that's already predetermined it's a preset answer this is kind of like my form letter type of, of conversation that I'll have with somebody is I'll ask what what are you into do you have any hobbies what things do you like to do outside of you know work what do you do for work um, is it a normal job or is it a passion um, you have a family what do you you know, what do you like to do with your family? You don't have any kids. What did you do when you were growing up? And, you know, things like that, just to try and it's, it's almost like a, uh, 
almost like that that five minute dating thing, you know, like where you're just you're asking them questions just to try and dig a little bit to see what they're about. Uh, if they don't have any tattoos specifically, that really helps, you know, but the first question is always, do you have any pictures of things that you're interested in? Because sometimes they've mm. already done their research. Sometimes they haven't. And, and when they say no, that's usually where I go with the conversation, because it, within a few minutes, you can kind of find out what things are the most important to them. Maybe it's nothing in particular is important to them. They just want to be decorated. And then that's where you can say, OK, well, what kind of things do you like to be decorated? You know, like do you like color do you like black and gray but it has to be a soft conversation right because if you if you come at them too hard um i feel like a lot of people out there and i've I've seen it i mean i've been doing it long enough to see the the old school way of doing it and then the a lot of younger tattooers come in with this kind of uh, puffed chest so to speak where they're like you know that we're doing the clients a favor by being open it's like no (laughs) yeah you know like they're there to ask questions and don't get mad at them because they don't know, you know, they may have never set foot in a tattoo shop or know anybody that has, well, it's hard to do nowadays, but it's, it's possible, you know? So you just mm-hmm. have to be soft, be soft in, in the conversation, be open and allow it to happen organically. Let it be like, you know, like fluid, like water, let it kind of find its way. Uh, and you can guide it into what your strong suits are, you know, without telling them what they're getting. Mm-hmm. So sometimes what I like to do is ask a bit more open-ended, ambiguous questions. Um, You know, so I'll add, you know, and it's one or the other. And what it's doing is it's helping me gauge their personality. Um, And I actually got this from, I forget if it was Myers-Briggs or like another type of personality uh, test. But um, it's a lot of very simple questions about their preferences that can really help you drill down what their personality is like and what kind of stuff, you know, really appeals to them a bit more. Um, So sometimes I'll start off with, um, you know, even as simple as monochromatic or full color spectrum, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll start off with that. Yeah. Um, Okay, cool. That really helps. Yeah. You know, are you looking for black and gray? Are you looking for, um, or maybe it's shades of blue or whatever, Um, you know, but I'll start off with that and then I'll move into other ambiguous questions like hot or cold, right? Um, I'll move into things like classic or exotic, you know, just to help. Classic or exotic instead of like traditional. A lot of people don't know what traditional means. Right, mm-hmm. but you if know, you phrase you it as classic, classic, yeah, exactly, yeah, it gives them yeah. a bit more. It it's something that they can relate to a little bit easier. You know, yeah, are you looking for, sure. for something more like old world, uh, elegant? Are you looking for something uh, maybe a little bit more modern and decorative? Um, you know, and these are all just very random, ambiguous questions that you know help you determine who someone is. Do you like soft yeah. or do you like bold? Um, you know, if you like soft, you're going to go with more of the subtle shading, maybe a little bit more finesse in your values. Uh, maybe you're going to create a little bit more modeling in the tattoo to really create a sense of depth and dimension with a lot of softer tones. If people pick bold, it's going to be a lot more graphic. It's going to be, it's going to have a bit more visual punch to it. 
Maybe it's going to have a neon colored outline around the perimeter. Um, you know, so these are all things that can help you gauge what someone's personality is so that you can turn around and maybe, you know, come up with something that they had never even considered. Um, yeah. I also like to ask beach or mountains, right? Um, that's always a good one just to go through and figure out, oh, okay, you want something different. You want something new. Great. Beach or mountains? Uh, yeah, well, I like the mountains more. Yeah. What's your favorite seat? Random, ambiguous questions like that can help you come up with ideas. And I, I think of it more as like a visual, like uh, decision chart, right? And each question that they answer in a different way can lead you to a different subject matter. Oh, yeah. you like fall and you like the mountains? Okay, great. And you like monochromatic and you like soft. Awesome. We can do and some soft falling leaves with a mountainscape behind it, you know, and we can do that in some nice soft grays and boom, there's your, there's an idea for a tattoo. You oh. know? And it's That's little so things like that that can make a world of difference. And then you kind of create a client profile, you know, like exactly. that. Just like, you know, they, they didn't know that, that they liked fall, but it was well, not even that it's, 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 you know, there are so many reasons why they like fall and you're able to take some of those reasons and put it into the tattoo. And that allows it to be more authentic. Bingo. Yeah. And organic yeah. and organic. It's, it becomes original that way. It, you know, but you're still, you're, you're helping them, but you're, you're not making the decisions for them, but you're softly guiding them. Um, right. And I've seen clients right in front of my face get turned away by other artists where, you know, they'll contact me after the fact, you know, and say, I really just wasn't vibing with that person or whatever. And I find that so hard to believe that an artist would allow that to happen and that, you know, I'm not always taking the client side, but I'm just saying that, you know, sometimes people are difficult to work with, but we're in the service industry and, and that's part of it, you know, and it's, you got to take the good with the bad. Sometimes it involves, you know, you don't have to hold their hand the whole time, but sometimes it involves just helping them out. You know, don't be afraid to help somebody out. You're doing, you'll be doing yourself a disservice and paint yourself into a corner by telling a client, no, this is the way you have to do it. Or, you know, I, I a while back worked with a person who would say when somebody would come in and show them something, and let's say it's a trite piece that's been done 400,000 times in the last two months. It just, you know, you know how it goes. It pops up on social media somewhere. All of a sudden, everybody wants it. Right. And it can be right. like a line from a song, a, a design, a what, whatever it is, simple, whatever, complicated. It doesn't matter if it, if it becomes popular online. All of a sudden people start asking for it. And this person, the client comes in and says or, or potential client comes in and says, this is what I'm looking for. And the response was, I mean, if that's what you want, you know, you got to rock it. Not me. And it's like, oh, God, you are you serious? Yeah. Oh, wow. and now. Now, to that artist's credit, he would still eventually get them to get tattooed and he would do a good job. But like that, it just irked me so bad. And it's like it, it reeks of somebody who is just burned out and had enough and doesn't want to 
doesn't want to put any effort into what it is. They just, they want people to bring them the thing and they want to do the thing. Now that's not to be said that you can't make an amazing living as a flash jockey, just banging stuff off the wall, giving people solid tattoos. You don't have to be an amazing conversationalist. You just have to do what it is we're being hired to do and you'll stay busy. But if you want to cultivate a client base that, you know, will carry you through the next two decades because they're going to bring their friends and family and kids and, you know, maybe their grandkids at a certain point or, or the kids bring their grandparents in like this. That's what you want, you know, for longevity. And if you want to be able to flex your own artistic freedom, that's how you gain that, gain that trust for those clients is, you know, by starting off at a slow roll. Right. You got to get the ball rolling first, get that little snowball going down the hill before you can actually make a massive boulder of creativity out of it, you know, and, and, and guide it wherever you want to. Yeah. And I think once you develop that, that client profile, once you do that, that soft discussion to really kind of help them realize what it is that they're looking for you now have that kind of information. You, you can look back at your notes that you took during that conversation and you can say, oh, this is Elizabeth and she likes soft fall. She likes cool. Um, you know, this is what her personality traits are like. This is what she says she prefers. So she just came to me and now she wants a half sleeve because I did this little flower on her. Mm. Cool. I already have that information. Now I can go through and I, since I already know what kind of stuff she likes, great. I can come up with something for you based on the questions that I asked you before. Yeah. The conversation becomes easier because you get to know that person. And that's, that's where like, I would probably do better if I had an approach like you do, Jason, where you're, you're filing things and organizing things. Um, And I, I really do. I admire that and appreciate that. Um, I, I tend to do a little bit better where I can have all that stuff in my brain and just go, okay, I know when Steve comes in, he likes underwater stuff. I'm probably going to do something like that. You know what I mean? And then I, then you can have those conversations or whatever it is, but you have, it, it's not just a professional client profile, but it's a, they become more than a client. They're they're You know, uh-huh. they can be a friend. They can be a friend in a professional environment, you know, I mean, I've even had people that have, I've even had people that have hit me up after, you know, maybe I saw them, they got tattooed. Great. And it's been like three, four years since, you know, they got another tattoo. The time has come. They want to, you know, do another piece. Awesome. Great. Um, I've even had them hit me up and say, you know, listen, you know what I like. I want to get an upper left arm half sleeve. Draw it. Okay, cool. Great. I already know what you like. I already know what direction you want to head in. I already know what kind of imagery you're drawn to. I already know, you know, all of this information. Cool. Not a problem. When did you want to come in? Yeah. And it's all, it's all there. And part of the reason why I'm so neurotic about filing everything, keeping notes and stuff like that. um, And it at one point in time was one of my biggest weaknesses and I've turned it into one of my bigger strengths is the fact that I forget fucking everything. I, I do that, man. Like, I do. That's, that's I, I can't. Unless I look at those notes, I can recall the conversation and I can say, oh yeah, they talked about this. They like this. They wanted it to look 
similar to this, but not quite as busy. Okay, great. Um, Otherwise, I'm going to be like, okay, so remind me of our conversation. What did we talk about? Uh, uh, I still do that. And I don't want to do that. I I don't want to be that artist that doesn't Mm -hmm. pay attention and doesn't treat their clients with that level of respect. I want to be the artist that people turn around to and say, hey, you know what I like? I'm ready for my next piece. Yeah. Let's do it. You know what? That's and that's so in because that that's gonna happen. You know, like that they're, they're gonna say, Jason knows what I like. How I could never go to anyone else because he knows things about me that I don't even know. Right. And he know yeah, yeah, that's that's brilliant. Okay, all right. So where do you keep all right? So let's say Joe Blow comes in, he needs to create a client client profile, whatever, whatever. During a consultation, you're asking him all these questions. Where do you put the answers? Are you just you had just have like a little, uh, like where right on you, my iPad? Maybe for their like in, in Procreate, you'll create like a you know this is Elizabeth. You can do style. that. There's there's any number of note taking apps that are out there. Um, I'm using one called Notes Plus, mm-hmm. um, and I like Notes Plus because I can go through and let's see. Uh, resources where was it on my ipad notes plus i gotta turn this on for some reason this wasn't and also um i like um seth your your approach to where like you'll have a consultation with the client and then you'll have them come back just to kind of as a refresher to say, Hey, this is what I'm working on. Let me, you know, get a measurement, you know what I mean? And then it just kind of reincites and reinvigorates the whole process for them. I, I, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. That, that actually came from trial and error. Uh, the first part of that is misplacing trace scenes that were taken three months beforehand. Um, mm. And the second was, you know, when they're booking out that far, um, I like to allow them, to have their idea be malleable, you know, that they can come back and say, you know, I, I kind of changed my mind. I, I don't want to do maple leaves. I want oak leaves, mm-hmm. you know, and then I, then I'm like, okay, yeah, no problem. You know, like I, I can, I always say to them, it, you know, this allow, it gives you time to, you know, if you have anything else that you want to add or not have in there, we have the conversation at that point. And, um, you know, just make sure that we're both on the same page with, it. you know, that's, that's it. It's not a lack of, you know, trying to uh, not do the homework. It's just that I know that if I go myself, if I go too far down one road, one of us may end up being disappointed. So it's uh, it's better to just, just to hit the. Now, Jason has the ability to be able to have that conversation at length with somebody, you know, and and put that that time aside for them, where you know they he can isolate that conversation, take those notes. Um, if I did that, I feel like I would still be too nervous to not at least reach out to them again, you know, uh, a few weeks prior to the appointment and say, Hey man, I'm drawing this up. Just want to make sure you're still getting X, Y, and Z. Yeah. So this is um, kind of the way that I've got everything organized and I've got different folders within this app. And I know that 
you can't really see it. Damn, son, you need to get like a medal for all that. That is so. Incredible. I've got uh, appointments for 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023. Um, any future appointments coming up, you know, for next year, I'll create a folder for that. Um, and I can go through and I can say, um, Where's a good one? Um, uh, this guy, Tyler, right? Tyler wanted an American flag sleeve, like half sleeve. So I'll go through and I can put reference images that he sends me in here. Um, and here's some of the questions, full sleeve or half, right or left arm. Anything else included? Um, how big do I need to make it? Where is it going to go? A uh, little above the elbow, below the elbow, uh, lower left arm. I have to work around an existing tattoo. Um, and I'll go through and I'll take some notes on that. And then that way I can always look back at that. You know, if he wants to come in and extend off of that tattoo, there's all my notes from that discussion. Um, you know, and it's like, okay, cool. You had a very specific idea in mind of what you wanted. Great. Don't have to go into too much more with you. This is what we can do. Um, you know, and I'll write everything down uh, just because I don't want to forget anything. Um, and I want people to know that, that what they're telling me is valued. You got to show me those tricks, man, in Puerto Rico. Like just to, I, I would love because I, I take notes the same way in Procreate, but then I don't drop those notes into another program. Um and do it like that like so that i always got to scroll through my procreate to find where their their consult was you know so right um so one thing that, i would recommend doing right off the bat there um create a folder and procreate with just consultation notes um and yeah, then that way you even, can go through consider. and yeah. then you, that way you can title each document with whoever the consult is and the date and then that'll allow you to sift through it very quickly. Love that. So good, man. That's excellent advice. Um, amazing. Yeah, I definitely yeah, got to get on that. So create yeah. a folder and procreate for consultation. Yeah. And you could just so page. Or... Yeah. So if I was going to go through, I would create, say, here's one blank document, right, that I just created. Maybe I'll create a second one. This way I can drop them in together. Um, say these are consultation notes. These first two on the upper left, mm -hmm. press and hold, and you can drag it right on top of the other one. When you release, it'll create what's known as a stack. This mm -hmm. stack I can title consultation notes. Boom. Now I've got a folder in Procreate with just consultation notes. Oh, so the stack, it acts as a folder. Correct. Ah, okay. All Stack's right. just another word for folder and procreate. Um, right. And it's one way to keep things organized. I do the same thing. Like these are all my designs for Puerto Rico that I'll be bringing down. Um, I've got a whole folder of like nice. Japanese waves and wave half sleeves, um, collab sheets, large scale project ideas. Um, you know, so if I'm trying to find something uh, or a back piece or, you know, I'm trying to come up with an idea for a full sleeve or a side panel, it's right there in my large project folder. 
I've got original art and design concepts. Um, I've got a whole one for potential appointments. I've got one for other art projects and critiques, uh, collab sheets. I've got convention stencils. So any, so I've got one of the little S8 um, stencil printers that I bring with me to every convention. So anytime someone needs me to run off a stencil for them, I have them airdrop me the file and I keep all of that in here. Um, you know, like here's the stencil that I ran for Anthony Tex when he tattooed my hand, you know, and I've got that and I can look back on that. I've got one for Harlan Kantner, Devin Cooley, um, you know, uh, Nick Kaiser. Some of these are mine that I drew. Uh, you know, I'll draw different stuff for different people and print them out at a convention. That all goes into a folder. Um, I've got a whole appointment folder that's got over a thousand different documents in it. And that's, you know, my every day someone walks in and wants their mother's handwriting or grandmother's handwriting or, you know, whatever. Create a new document in my appointment stack. Boom, it's right there. So I can always look back at that and I can always say, oh, okay here's this document for this person on this date and time. Love that. You know, because you can filter it too. So I can go through and, you know, basically pull all of these up. I can see all the sizes. Granted, all of these don't have names because I'm just drawing those up for Puerto Rico. So I know it's all in one spot, but you can actually go through and there's ways to filter things and you can organize things in certain ways. Um, it's a really great way to do things. Um, to me, if I'm not organized, if I'm sitting down and I'm saying, um, okay, I need to find this. And it's happened so many times in the past where it's going to take me 30, 40, 50 minutes, you know, maybe even an hour and a half sometimes to find a specific document, specific notes or anything like that. I got tired of wasting that time and not being able to pull that right up and be prepared for people. So I figured out a system that works for me to go through and make sure that I can do that. Everything is there, set, ready to go. And it's easy to find. Because once again, and that I one stack, <laughs> and that, that yeah, one stack is, has all of your consultations in it. I'm, I'm sorry. I well, I, so I take all my consultation notes in a different app. Um, I don't like to use Procreate for that because uh -huh. Procreate does not automatically sync to the cloud to store everything. Uh -huh. But the other app that I use specifically for consultations does. Nice. So that way I've always got a backup of that. And I can pull those up, you know, on my laptop if need be. Say, heaven forbid, knock on wood, uh, my iPad dies. That's okay everything's backed up in the cloud except for my most recent stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's something that I've just found works for me. Um, but I also like the fact that with the other program, it gives me like the nice like letter lines and all that stuff. And I've got an area for pictures already set up and I've got an area for other notes and it, I can continuously scroll through different pages and it keeps everything organized as far as date, time. And then I just title the document with the name. Um, it just makes it easier for me to find things. Other people create stacks for each individual client, you know, and that's another way you can do it. 
is every, you know, if you create a stack for each client that comes in, boom, right there, there's your consultation notes, there's your sketches, your thumbnails, your final line drawings for whatever projects they want to do. You know, it's another easy way to go through and organize things for easy access. The problem I've personally found when trying that method out is that um, you can't do stacks within stacks. So there's no way to do like a subfolder. So it's hard for me to keep things organized in that kind of an aspect. Um, because I want to be able to go through and sort by date to figure out, um, you know, I had seven or eight consultations last week and I forget the guy's name. Uh, let me go through because I remember I did the consultation on this date at this time because it was put in into my Google calendar. So I know exactly when that happened. Um, but I, I know I just forget the guy's name. So let me just sort by date and time real quick. Um, makes it a lot easier for me to do that than it is for me to go through and try to remember the person's name. Because, you know, when you talk to all kinds of people all day long about different things and they all, oh, man, I really want to come in and get something else done. Cool. Great. So does, you know, 12,000 other people. Um, not saying you're not special, but like, you know, if I'm dealing with the same situation over and over again, I want to be organized with it. So I'm going to find a way that works best for me. Um, you know, that brings once you again, back to the beginning, just, finding out what works best for you as an individual, right? Right. Like try and just be consistent and that we're respectful to the client and, and what it is that they're asking and what their experience in a tattoo shop may or may not be. Um, but, you know, definitely be kind to yourself by knowing what your parameters of comfortability are. Now, I will say that I am slowly but surely going to start moving over to a system where I as well do a form and have people fill out a form for what they want to get done. Um, uh, hopefully, once I can finish uh, creating and designing my new website, um, I'll be able to have that on there and that will link them out to either a Google form or some other type of data collection where I can have people go through and say, hey, I'm trying to get a new tattoo. Um, you know, this is what I'm looking for. I want to put it in this spot. I want it to be uh, black and gray. Um, and I want to be able to have an area where people can upload uh, their reference images for what it is they're looking for. Um, yep. You know, then that way that can all be exported into, you know, whatever type of software. Um, or export it into, you know, some other type of way to go through and filter that and sort that and organize that. Um, but, you know, that's something that is coming down the pipeline, hopefully sooner rather than later, uh, because I think that would, you know, really just help keep things organized to an even bigger level. Um, uh, Google you know, Docs is, has a free app for that, or not free yes. app, but like a yeah. Well, they've got Google Docs and Google Forms. Um, yep. Google Forms is also great because you can send someone a link here, fill out the form, um, you know, and tell me what days and times work best for you. Uh, give me a brief description of what you want to get done, you know, and then that will email me the responses 
uh, for that form. Um, you know, it's, it's another way to do it. Um, and I will be moving over to that kind of a method in the very near future. Once again, I just, my goal right now is just to get my website together so that I can get that launched and then I'll be working on the forms. Um, because I want to incorporate the forms into the website, uh, you know, like have a button that says click here uh, for the uh, consultation form and just have that way I can put a button on there and just says, hey, cool, I'm so-and-so, I want to get tattooed by you, here's what I want. Um, right. Not that it does take away a little bit of the personal nature of things but I would still like to be able to get them in for that consultation to have those discussions, build that client profile and be able to turn around and say to them, Oh, okay. I know what this person likes. I know what their style is. I know what it is that, you know, they're visually drawn to cool. Not going to take too much for me to go through from here. Just fill out the form real quick. That way I've got an idea of location and um, I'll get started cracking on it. Nice. Yo, Jason, that uh, gorilla looks awesome. Yeah, I'm probably going to end up layering in some purples um, into like the actual like head and face. Uh, but I've already got like some pretty nice leaves. I was up pretty late the last few nights just drawing and sketching different ideas for Puerto Rico. Um, nice. I really like the combination of the the like reddish orange and then a bright orange and this bright lime green bold line going around the other edge of it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, I'm, I'm just coming up with different stuff in different ways and different styles. I've already got yeah. a whole bunch of like Japanese kind of stuff together for it. Uh, my goal is to have 15 or so new designs sent and ready to go for Puerto Rico. Um, so I'm, I've been actively trying to work on them as much as I can over the last like week and a half um, nice. in hopes that they're together enough in time that I can bring them with me. And if not, I'll print them out and I'll have those as uh, designs ready to go at the studio. Yeah, man. I got a couple in the box. Uh, I'll have a few more ready to go. Um, that looks cool, though. Yeah, this year's, um, this fall especially has been a, a bit rough business-wise. Um, you know, just, I work at a studio with a lot of different artists. Um, and, you know, some of us are walk-in artists. Um, I tend to have a bit more of a steady clientele base. But, you know, every now and then I pick up walk-ins and stuff like that. Um, but it's like, people you know, from what I've seen, aren't really spending too much money right now. So I've had a little bit of extra time on my hands to go through and work on drawings. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I'm just trying to be as prepared for this show as humanly possible. Now, nice. there are old school artists that are out there that, um, and I've heard uh, guys like Joe Cap go through and make this comment before uh, where they've heard that you know, there's a lot of younger artists out there that, you know, they're they're starting to prepare for these tattoo conventions months in advance and stuff like that. 
he's like, what happened to the old days when, you know, you used to just show up and people will come up to you and get whatever, you know, they tell you what they want. You got to draw it up on the spot. And it's like, that's, that's great. And that still happens. Sure. But if I can push designs that I really want to tattoo, why wouldn't I want to do that? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's enough room for both. You know, but oh, absolutely. It, you're definitely going to benefit from having at least having stuff in your cannon, you know, like ready to ready to fire. Um, you know, the uh, the lip on that gorilla, those little like splits are awesome. You should vary the, the distance between them. Some of them are add a couple extra little ones in there. Yeah, it's a on good idea. And, yeah, that looks fucking banging, though. Like that shadow on the bottom side, it looks like like the real muzzle. It's awesome. It's really good. Yeah, you know, a lot of this comes down to um, I actually have a document I created out here. So this is an I this was like a concept um, and a stock photo that I saw that I really, really liked. Um, and I, yeah. I remember sitting back and studying it and trying to pick apart different things and coming up with different ideas. Um, yeah. But I wanted to draw it in my own way. And I wanted yeah. to come up with something unique, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I, now you're being inspired by it. You're not, you're right. not, you're not painted into a corner of having to do exactly what's there. You're, you're making it your own, you're making it unique. And that's, you know, that's how you get your own flavor with it, man. Exactly. Like, I like your drawing better than the picture, you know? Exactly. What I mean? So, yeah. Well, you know, yeah. it's, um, like I said, it comes down to studying. I noticed all the ridges on the lip, um, on both the top and bottom lip. So it's like, okay, well, why don't I go through and I, why don't I exaggerate that and really yeah, create deep, deep grooves to create yeah. that kind of a texture, but in a more simple way. Yeah, um, and it reinforces the contour, like the shape, like which direction, which plane is moving in which direction, right? The bottom of exactly. the lip moves in towards the mouth. You know, um, but and I, I, yeah, I, I, like I think it. I'm really starting to try to emphasize that um, yeah. with a lot of the stuff I do really over exaggerating highlights, shadow areas, contours, um, how things move, how things flow. And I'm finding sure. that every time I do that, I'm getting a far more, not just more of a dynamic kind of value scale. But it's becoming far, far easier to actually read as a visual image. Yeah, um, you exaggerate those things, you know, and it makes it makes it even better. Like doing a black and white, you know, Bernini statue tattoo. You, it's like all that hyper exaggeration of light dark. You hyper exaggerate the, you know, the form, um, but keeping it still realistic in its rendering. You know, and it's like just it's it becomes outstanding for a tattoo. Yeah, and I'm I'm really trying to push more of like a graphic or a visual uh, kind of graphic nature with yeah. a lot of this stuff. Um, sure. And one way to do that is create more dynamic contrast, create super super hard edges, create the the real dynamic kind of highlights, uh, real real dynamic shapes for shadows. Um, and I have to actually thank Jake Meeks for this. Um, but you know, just looking at using each one of these shadows as like a shape, right? Shout out to Jake Meeks. Yeah. 
uh, from the Fireside Tattoo Network. Jake, uh, you are a wizard. Um, but I remember having a discussion with him about how everything just boils down to shapes. You know, it's, yeah. you know, this little shadow underneath the lip. That's just a shape. You know, what shape is that and how does that interact with the other shapes? Um, and by going through and over-exaggerating those shapes and the contrast of those shapes, that's allowing me to go through and create this more dynamic kind of visual um, visual imagery. Yeah. You know, really, really hard, dark edges here for where that shadow, where that lip curls over. Um, and then taking the, these shapes, these rounded shapes, blending those right in, but fading them out before they hit the next shape. Yep. Yeah, letting the, the, the contour of the line define the, the texture and the shape, how it's quilted. Yeah. You know, but also, making can sure you imagine that... just seeing one of those motherfuckers? Uh, no, life, like, I. In the wild. Dude. They are so strong. It is ridiculous. Yeah, it's pure muscle. Yeah, it's... You know, bears are the same way. You see, oh, yeah. I think I could take a bear on. You know, if a bear can... black bear's a little bit smaller, thing would have your leg for lunch. Yeah, even baby <laughs> bears would destroy a human. Yeah. And gorillas, specifically, like like primates, like they're nasty, man. They, they'll kill just for the sake of kill. They don't even want to eat. Some will. You're absolutely right. You. you rip your balls off. <laughs> no thanks. They do. No, they do. They cast it. They, they, yeah, it's that's legit. They're chimps. Go watch Chimp Nation, man. It's crazy. Yeah, I've been on a, a big Nat Geo kick lately. So, how fun is it to watch programs like that, like those nature things, and just sit there and draw what you're seeing? or be inspired by any of that stuff. Yeah. It's kind of like reading old mythology. You know, you're reading these old books or old stories of whatever style you, you want it. You know, it can be anything, right? Like from naval stuff, like the Philadelphia experiment to Japanese stuff or, you know, old, old Western thing, oh, like whatever. Yeah. Being inspired by that to draw something is just like, it's insane. There's a guy, I forget his, Oh man, he's out in middle PA Scott. And Jason, he's done the convention, the uh, the convention, uh, what do you call it? The Allentown one, Bethlehem, it used to be Bethlehem. Scott uh, Bramble? Scott Bramble. Yep, you know exactly where I was going with that. Dude, yep. he's one of my favorite drawers of all time in tattooing. His, his artwork, he has this whole thing where he's like inspired by old stories, like old Western ghost stories and stuff like that. And he draws it like these makes this artwork and draws this whole image where the whole piece tells one story. There's so many different things going on. There's sometimes there's inlaid little windows that have a different part of the story. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, God, it's like, it's so the figures are so dynamic and the, the subject matter is so rich and the picture is full with all this stuff. And then you talk to him and he's got this whole explanation. Oh, it comes from, you know, this story from, you know, the mid 1800s where I'm like, God, like, just to have the wherewithal to read that stuff. It's like the, the same way, you know, our favorite, you know, uh, music artist might be inspired to write a song, you know, or, or, or writer writes a poem about something that they read about that happened years ago. Is that Kali? That's Kali. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
Nice. Awesome. Yeah. So anyway, I, I like that. I like when people are, you know, inspired by that kind of thing and, and drawing stuff like that, you know, it's, so it's when you see somebody doing something like you're doing that gorilla, you know, it's an action shot of it, but you're, you're taking that time to, you know, kind of add a little bit of your own uh, illustration to it. And it still has that power to it. You know, it's still got right. that kind of emotion. I'll tell you this, man. One of the most difficult things I've been trying to figure out how to do is frame things out so that they're more like one shot tattoos, um, yeah. but still maintain visual flow and visual integrity with them on a much smaller scale. And that is, that has been proving to be quite challenging um, just to create different unique ways of doing that. Like if I go back to my gallery, I, um, you know, I, I came up with this tooth uh, a few days ago and finished this guy up and I was like, okay, cool. Like this could work. Um, how do I like move your eye around it? I didn't want to do just a tooth and I didn't want to do just right. a tooth with like a teal circle. I want to move your eye around the whole piece. So how could I do that effectively? And I played around with a whole bunch of different ways. Um, and I finally settled on like opposing leaves, even though I might go back through and adjust the angle of those bottom leaves. And then I got into more yeah. like decorative ornamental frameworks. That um, one's great. I love that. You know, maybe I could do something like that. That could be cool, um, you know, to kind of frame it out so that it's more of a one shot design. Then the other night it kind of clicked and I was like, okay, what if I did both, right? So I drew a cat yeah. skull because who doesn't love cat skulls? Um, and, you know, kind of took a lot of what I was building off of from each of those, combine them. And then now I've got some great one shot. Everything's framed out. I can do this at a smaller scale, um, you know, simplify some of the shadows and highlights a little bit but it's still going to visually move your eye around the piece from the teeth down at the bottom all the way up and over um, kind of ending at these leaves that are coming up following the jawline. It, it's all yeah. being more self-contained, which allows it to stand out as a nicer one shot kind of tattoo. Um, yeah. You know, but I've got all kinds of stuff. I've got, you know, Japanese dragon uh, that one's coming down with me, uh, little flowers with like some psychedelic design in the background. Um, you know, I've been working on this human heart for a little bit, kind of took a break from it because I didn't want to overwork it. And I have a tendency of overworking things. So I took a break from that one. Uh, like the skull idea. Know. So I threw some Japanese waves with it, you know, playing around with textures um, is something textures are something that I've never been super good at. Uh, so a lot of this is practice with texture. Um, you know, especially the contrast between the smooth texture of the waves and then this rough bumpy texture of the skull, uh, you know, playing around with different things like that and how you can get different looks and different visual appeals with different things. Uh, that's kind of why I really am, excited to do this gorilla hopefully someone gets it at the puerto rico show um you know i think with the levels of textures that i'm putting in here 
between the very graphic look and a lot of the smooth texture in the leaves. Um, I'll probably end up doing some, some different like hairline textures, you know, in certain parts of like the cheek to create the look of fur. Um, you know, as it's cool. actually going around. And I think that'll contrast nicely with the very smooth gradients on these leaves. But once again, I'm trying to move more towards like a very kind of simplified graphic style for a lot of what I'm doing. Um, and that's a lot of this is playing into that. That uh, the uh, tiger that you did coming out of that kind of art deco design, I think works really well and, and subtly because of the kind of like that hint towards the figure eight thing, right? Where you have the same design flip flop one vertical, you know, going up and one vertical going down or moving in that direction. Um, but that shape kind of being in front of or on the same plane as the tiger on the backside and then going behind the face on the other side is little tricks like that that go a long, long, long way. Well, I think, it, in, in it, any design. So I call that kind of like an out of bounds style because that's you're literally moving something from one plane into another plane um, of yeah. visual like field. You know, you're it starts out and it always reads this way where you always have one border that comes in front of the design. Then you have your middle ground with your subject matter. Then you have the other border of the design that fades back behind your subject matter. And that creates instantly three visual levels of depth. Um, yeah. And it's a very, very, very easy way to create that sense of depth um, just by varying where things sit and making yeah. sure that you've got certain things that are outside of that visual field. But I also like it because it keeps it contained. Um, those, those frames, those art deco frames and, little things like leaves and whatnot um, help frame things out. So if you're trying to work at a smaller scale, especially for things like conventions and shows, don't get me wrong. I could easily take this gorilla head and fade this out, you know, and that could still be cool, but it would look, my eye would want to keep going with it. Where's the rest? Yeah. Of it? You know, whereas if you frame it out, your eye immediately says, oh, it starts here, it ends here, and it makes it more visually appealing in that kind of a sense. Um, you know, our, our, the way our eye works when it comes down to visual appeal is quite fascinating, to be honest with you. Um, and it's something I've always been, you know, intrigued by and curious about. Um, and that's just going through and why do people find themselves drawn to certain images? What about it? Uh, what about specific images like Caravaggio, right? How he can move your eye and get you to look exactly where he wants you to look every single time without fail to the point that you might not even notice things going on in the background. Um, yeah. You know, that, that kind of stuff to me is mind blowing. Like that's wizard status level 10. Um, you know, but you take some time and you look at it and you start to pick things apart and you start to understand things like their formula that they use to get you to look 
at one specific point. And once you start to try to break that down and understand that, it can help you take whatever it is you're creating to a whole different level of dimension. Um, yeah. And so that's something, you know, something I've been focusing on and trying to be better at, um, you know, just trying to improve little things here and there, little bit every day, you know, can really, really be helpful. Um, so that's just kind of the way that I'm looking at things. But that also comes down to preparation. There's a reason why I draw so much every single night, even if it's just yeah. doing like a little sketch over a reference image, you know, to try yep. to tweak things out or understand values and shapes. Um, you know, sometimes I'll sit down and I'll just practice, practice cheekbone structures, you know, getting the values correct and figuring out the shapes in the cheek. Where do certain planes fall? Um, can help you understand faces and help you execute faces and stuff like that a bit easier. Uh, so, you know, it's, it all adds up and it's all about preparation. So the next time someone comes in and they want a tattoo of a face, I can turn around and say, Oh yeah, I got you. And I can understand where that light's going to hit and how that value is going to create those shapes and create that form. I find that there's a lot of um, a lot of, of uh, value in doing like you, you know how some sometimes you end up like going down a rabbit hole online looking at stuff or you're researching you know a project or something like that you're like oh this might make a cool piece for later a cool piece for later you know if anybody out there getting into tattooing or you've been in it for years if if you haven't done this yet or maybe you haven't done it in a while I. I highly recommend doing it it's kind of like a yoga for the tattoo mind the creative mind is you have an extra hour in the middle of the day or half hour or something like that pull out two or three books that you haven't gone through in a while right if you have these books around and just flip through them i found reference that i could have used for a dozen tattoos over the past year that i just forgot that i had you know, or yeah. I never realized yeah. that they were inside of these books. Like it's one thing when you're specifically searching something for on Google, but you know, I come from an era where we collected a ton of literature, a ton of books and, and reference books. And if you needed something, that's where you had to go, right? The more you had, the better, because the less trips you were taking to Borders or Barnes and Noble or the library. Uh, but I found it to be highly useful and effective to just go through some of these books and, you know, some I acquired it at conventions where I was like, oh, I'll definitely use this. And I've let's say, you know, the 20 books I've bought in conventions over the last decade, uh, maybe three or four of them had steady, heavy rotation in what it is that I'm doing. And I looked at some of those other ones. And I was like, God, I, I can't believe I forgot about this. You know, this stuff is so like rich and worthy of being considered for tattoos and subject matter and and you know, information or, you know, maybe even if it's a small thing, like, you know, I mentioned earlier, the Fudo, I have a bunch of reference for that, but I've only used it once for reference for a Fudo tattoo. I can't tell you right. how many times I've used it for reference for, uh, you know, a ritual object or flames, you know, or how to position a dragon claw or whatever it is, you know, nitpicking small things out of a larger piece and using that. So just uh, um, you know, out there on that note, Seth, 
um, at this past Paradise Gathering, um, I was fortunate enough. Uh, you've heard of the the Bloodwork books, sure. Blood Bloodwork bodies, Bloodwork sleeves, yes. and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, yep. Currently out of print. Good luck finding them. Occasionally they pop up on eBay or whatever. Um, you know, but they're pretty hard to find. And I was looking for a copy of Bloodwork sleeves for a long time to complete my collection because I already had a copy of Bloodwork bodies. And um, I was very fortunate that uh, uh, someone at the paradise gathering this year uh, actually was selling brand new, still plastic wrapped copies for wow. their original list price. No um, shit. Yeah. So I snagged up my, one of my grail items um, that I've been on a quest for for quite some time. But um, what I've actually started doing, Seth, and I do this little by little here and there, um, you know, every time I get to a point where I don't have too much going on in, you know, with appointments or art projects or anything like that, what I've actually started doing is taking the time, I'll sit down with a scanner and some of those reference books and I'll start scanning them so that that way I can throw them on my iPad. They take up less room and now I can go through and I've always got that sketchbook or a reference book or whatever with me. Um, should I ever need to go back through, look through it or say, oh, here's an idea. Um, here's you know a good reference for this uh, rather than having to go through and actually be like, oh man, I wish I had this book with me at, at this show. It's you know, I, I wish I had it because I could really use it for, you know, something that I remembered was in there. But if I have it scanned and I have it on my iPad, it's right there. You know, I right, can pull but it then up, do I you remember that it. it's there? Uh, so I do have like quite a few reference books in my iPad. So sometimes it is difficult to remember what's where. Um, yeah. You know, but it's it's one of those situations where, to me, you can never have a big enough library of different things to look through. Um, I agree. You know, sometimes I'll look through books uh, that I haven't looked through in a while, much like yourself and just see what's there. See what I'm forgetting about. Um, yeah. Do you use it, an actual scanner or do you take pictures? Uh, an actual scanner. Oh, okay. Yeah. How about so, crap um, pounds? You ever look at those? No. Okay, yeah, write that down. <laughs> Any tattooers out there, if you can get a hold of these Crap Hound books, they're magazines. Um, they are filled with copyright-free stock images of tons of stuff, and they're all organized by, like, maybe each each magazine will have, I don't know, like two to four different types of subject matter. They have one that's all filled with Americana and religious stuff. They have one that's filled with you know, uh, images of, uh, men and women or whatever, um, oh, wow. all of the things that you can possibly imagine. Um, so I, illustrated I, monthly online, does be... that. Okay. Illust a company called illustrated monthly does that. And I've got quite a few of their books, um, nice. both print and digital, uh, because yeah. they do actually provide digital eBooks as reference, you know, for their reference books as well. And it's all copyright yeah. free um, uh, images that they put out there. So you don't have to worry about it. Um, nice. I, mean, I still try to 
draw stuff on my own, but. Um, oh yeah. Like, and I wouldn't like yeah. a lot of this stuff. I mean, even though it could be used, it's really just for like, you know, for inspiration, but I mean, some of these, some of the pages have one image. Some of them will have 70 images on one page. Like right. it's crap pound, crap pound. You can look at them. I think there's maybe that I'm familiar with. There's probably five issues of it and that's it. And there may be more and I'm just ignorant to it, but I know of, of, of at least four or five of them. Um, and, uh, they're just outstanding and, and always fun when you're like, oh, I want to draw something. I don't know what to draw. Just flip through one of those. Yeah. Here's, um, so I've got several different ones. This one's, um, from illustrated monthly. Um, and it's basically just, uh, nice Japanese paintings, style. Japanese style birds, oh, flowers. So cool. It's awesome. You know, it's one of many that I keep, um, you know, in my digital library. I can't show you the whole digital library because I do also have different art model, um, like pose books that have been put out. And YouTube would probably flag those in a heartbeat. You talking about these? Yeah. Oh, look at that. Nine. Yeah. Those are crap outs. Oh, oh yeah. There you go. Yeah. They're. Yeah. They're wild. Yeah, this is um, this is another good one from Illustrated Monthly. You know, same basic concept. Go. Yeah, love that stuff. Man. Oh yeah, then, you know, a lot like, of vintage. Yeah, you just it's it's like it's inspiration for the for a mind that can't settle on something. You know, what I mean. Yeah, old school put, hands for signs. Uh, oh, you know what a good exercise would be? Here's a good exercise. Pick like random, like, you know, pick three different pages from two different publications two or two different versions of that book of Illustrated Monthly or a Crap Pound or whatever. Stuff that has all that crazy stuff in there. Just randomly name two pages and then pick three different things from those from those pages and try and put them together. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's a great exercise. That, cool. that would be a great exercise. Yeah, I like um. So crap hounds are good. Uh, Illustrated monthly is a good one. There's I'm gonna all get on different that types. Illustrated monthly. All different types of um. Oh, Illustrated monthly is a black hole, dude. Yeah. They you can go in there and you can be like, oh, I'm just gonna see what's there, and you'll end up for their price of their digital books, you'll end up getting like twelve or thirteen of them at one time for like thirty bucks. Oh, my I love God. it. Some of them are twelve for thirty dollars. Uh, if you can catch them on sale, yeah. Um, right. Sometimes they'll have half price discounts on stuff, and you can get like digital books, digital like image books like that for you know a dollar ninety nine, two dollars, three dollars. Killer. Wow. Yeah, super super cheap, and they've got every subject matter you can imagine. Um, you know, from Art Deco and Art Nouveau stuff to. Uh, skulls, witchy stuff. Uh, they've got books on like demonic imagery. If you've got people that are into like doing dark kind of tattoos, um, you know, like Paul Booth kind of stuff, you know, it all, it, they've got something for everyone on that site, man. I swear. Hey, uh, what you were talking about earlier, Jason, the, um, you know, being able to do a design that's like 
like a one-off like self-contained thing but it's still rich in 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 movement or you know it's got some sort of like space involved in it right um a couple of my favorites i mean you mentioned joe cap earlier uh him jimmy litwalk uh, you know tony siavar like that whole style kelly Doty, or however you pronounce her last name like that yeah gunner all that stuff right like it's it's crazy uh alex fish like they're all these like self-contained little pieces but they they just have a lot of rich visual value to it you know um and that stuff's always rad to look at and always inspiring and and it doesn't have to be overly complicated to you know hit the mark and and hit it perfectly you know right yeah sometimes less is more um yeah you know, and that's something that I, I've been trying to remember a lot more lately is, um, you know, a lot of it's about simplifying the process, simplifying your images. Um, you know, if you can do the same amount with less complications and less detail, but still get the message across, still get the image across, still go through and translate that kind of visual language um, using you know, say less elements for less, um, you know, uh, more simplified visual language for lack of a better way to put it. Um, you know, it's that to me is going to make a much more strong image. Uh, yeah. it's going to make things a lot easier for the mind to comprehend what it is, how it looks and what's going on in it. And I find yeah, you're not... and studies yeah, have shown if it's too complex, People aren't going to want to look at it. Uh-huh. Yeah, you got to let the individual ingredients speak strongly for themselves. You, you start overpowering each one with something else, and it doesn't have the same effect. Absolutely. Well, I'm getting into an area here in Connecticut where it's going to start cutting out, so I'm gonna I'm gonna have to sign off here. Go for it. We don't want to hear the um, the Seth remix. Yeah, um, it's terrible. <laughs> Every other Sunday. Mixtape coming soon. Yeah, <laughs> the worst. Um, my uh, my name is Seth Mushrush, and you guys can follow me. Anybody out there, follow me online on Instagram at uh, Seth Mushrush. Uh, my website, Seth Mushrush Art, will be back up uh, soon. Um, uh, just adding new things to it. I currently tattoo at a full time at Baker Street Tattoo and Media, PA where you can find me um, occasionally up in Massachusetts uh, at uh, the Gallery Tattoo Studio in Concord. Um, I'll be at the Puerto Rico Tattoo Convention with uh, Mr. Handsome and host of this podcast, Jason Leeser. So that'll be fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting down there and, and being inspired by all of that. And um, yeah, and I, I'll be at the Philly show also. So anybody looking to get artwork out there or um, anything like that, yeah. feel free to reach uh, out. Actually, Seth. Um, so I know Baker street's getting, uh, they usually do a booth or two down there, right? Yeah. We split a booth usually with, um, with old city tattoo. Cause Jay owns both of them, but we gotcha. line up with all of those other, all those other shops so that we kind of, you know, us black vulture and a bunch of other uh, shops kind of do a whole row and, um, you know, to save, help each other out with space. We just add, uh, or we, we take down the barricades in between and it's a good time. It's a good party. Are you, are you thinking about joining? I, I mean, I, I've been looking for someone to split a booth with for Philly. 
Um, and a, okay. a lot of the people I've reached out to either can't make it or already working it or um, whatever. And I was debating on whether or not I wanted to just do it solo this year. Um, yeah. Or if I wanted to try to, you know, keep searching around for other people. So, but I mean, if you guys end up having a spot available, let me know. Um, yeah, for sure, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'll ask around and I mean, find out. I think usually when we set that up, I think, Jay usually talks to uh, Troy to try and get everybody in the same row or he just kind of sets us all up in the same space. Um, gotcha. So I'll definitely, uh, I'll definitely say something to him about that. Yeah. If there's availability, cool. If not, that's cool too. You know, I, I might just end up rocking it solo. No, but, it'd be uh, cool to have you down there though on the same row. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's a fun time. So, um, you know, I mean that, that particular show, there's so many people there. You want to, you want to try to, be around people that you want to be around because it's great to see see meet new people and stuff like that but shit man i can't tell you one year that i've been at that convention since it's been at the convention center where i get to see everybody i want to see there's always i'm like i i leave and i'm like oh shit they were there you know <laughs> i just completely oh, dude. missed out it happens every year man every year yeah i remember the yeah. one year andy chambers was there and uh, i just remember walking past on sunday seeing a couple of his business cards and I'm like, man, this sucks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it happens all the time. But all right, guys. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot. It was a great conversation. Great topic today, man. Yeah. Right, Thank so. you as always for joining in. It's always yep. a blast having you here, man. Uh, awesome, drive dude. safe, get home safe. And um, yeah, I'll be in touch. I'll talk to you. Sounds good, man. I'll talk to you guys soon. Have a good one. You all too. Right, take care. And it's down to two. Uh, what are you working with, man? So is mainly, that, uh, liquid just, acrylic? Uh, yeah, this is liquid acrylic. Um, I kind of took some advice uh, listening to you the other, uh, the last time we had a podcast, you know, where you just said you would go on Pinterest, you know, and you would see something that you, that kind of caught your eye and, you know, you'd create a piece of artwork out of it. So that's kind of what I'm doing now. Uh, I just went on Pinterest and typed in neo-traditional and I saw something that, like similar to this and I was like, dang, that's dope. So I just kind of recreated it. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, and just, you know, just turned it into a painting. Hopefully I can do it as a tattoo one day. Well, you know, that's what a lot of it comes down to is get getting inspiration, coming up with ideas. Um, doesn't matter if those ideas have been done or not. Uh, sometimes it's just about taking them turning around, studying them as you're doing it, um, you know, and then coming up with your own way of doing it, uh, understanding, right. but by, so it was an exercise we used to do back when I was in art school. Um, we actually spent a few months doing um, master painter reproductions where uh -huh. we actually had to sit down and reproduce uh, an original or a uh, painting from a master artist, whether uh -huh. it was Caravaggio or Da Vinci or Rembrandt or, you know, Peter Paul Rubens, whoever um, we had to go through. And our, our entire job was to go through and try to reproduce it as accurately as possible. Uh -huh. um, now, granted we were doing it in a very condensed time frame, So, and the professors knew that we weren't going to, you know, really succeed too much. But the whole point behind that exercise was to go through a number one, teach us an appreciation for the skills involved in doing that. 
And number two, to help us understand the different types of artistic elements going on in it and why certain things look the way that they did. You know, if you look at any Caravaggio painting, there's always parts of it that basically, for lack of a better term, they look like they're Uh half-assed. It looks like he just took like a one-inch wide brush, just did a couple of brush strokes and said, yeah, I'm not messing with this part anymore. I'm done. You know, but what that does is it creates a lack of detail in that area, forces your eye to look at the areas that are detailed. Um, You know, it's one of the many different tricks that he used to get you to look where he wanted you to look. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's there's something to be said for reproducing something that you've seen. It helps you understand it better, Um, whether it shapes, whether it's. you know, color blends or why did they use this color here? Um, it also helps you understand the medium that you're using a bit more. What is this yellow? Is this yellow the right yellow that I'm looking for? Is this uh, the right brown that I'm looking for? How does that interact with this yellow? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is is this a red-based brown? Is it an orange-based brown? Is it a green-based brown? Um you know, and I've come across all of those colors when I've been painting before, uh, you know, and sometimes you don't know until you try it. And because you don't know, it's like, OK, well, I'm going to give this a shot and see if it works. And if it doesn't work, well, then maybe I'll start over. Hmm, right. Uh, you know, but that's kind of the way that it goes. I remember I did a, um, a painting of a heart with a dagger through it. And I finished the painting and I clear coated it, but the clear coat ended up getting really, really fuzzy because I used a matte clear coat um, and I, I overdid it on the clear coat. And what that ended up doing was basically destroying the image. And I was like, ah, I'll just paint oh, it again. Mm-hmm. I already did it once. I can do it again. Um, so I literally went through and created it a second time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to. I wasn't about to give up on it. Right. I, I already had a frame for it. I just needed to finish the painting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but that's kind of the way that certain things go. Uh, you know, it's it's an exploration in the medium and the subject. Um, so I always tell people, like, listen, yeah, go back through, do a reproduction. Find something that someone else did that you really admire and something that intrigues you or you want to learn more about. Try to reproduce it, figure it out. Um, and that's one of the ways that you're going to go through and pick up on certain tricks, like little skin breaks and uh, white outlines around certain things to help bring the focus to an edge. Uh, you know, little stuff like that can make or break an image. Um, uh-huh. but yeah, dude, I, I still do it every now and then. Um, I mean, right now I've got a couple of bigger paintings that I'm working on, but um, as far as small scale stuff, absolutely. Oh, wow. So, um, do you find that uh, even, you know, because I don't even, do, do you find that the act of reproducing the painting, even though if you're not like consciously aware of the, you know, the little tricks of the trade that make the piece look like that, is, do you, do you, are you still learning even, you know what I'm saying? Oh, I'm still learning all the time. Um, You know, for example, like I'll sit down and I'll look at things like um, Anthony Tex or uh, 
a look at some paintings by James Tex or Shane Ford or prints that I've picked up at different conventions. And I'll sit down and I'll just like stare at them and I'll pick them apart and I'll analyze them. Why does this look the way that it does? Mm-hmm. Where is the light falling? How does this texture get created? Why did they use this value here? Oh, because that that's a tertiary color next to this one. So that's going to keep those in the same spot. And that's going to make this color over here appear a lot brighter. Um, so sometimes I'll sit down and I'll just stare at something until I start to understand why does it look that way? What uh-huh. made this uh, have this much visual impact? Um, you know, so I still do that all the time and I'm still picking up new stuff here and there uh, from different things and different people. Uh, you know, like uh, this whole concept that I'm getting into now with much stronger visual shape. Um, you know, I went back through and I started looking at a lot of the Neotrad artists that I really admire. A lot of people like Harlan Kantner, Devin Cooley, who I'm actually working in Puerto Rico with as well as Seth. Uh, it's going to be myself, James Wisdom, and um, Devin Cooley. Uh, nice. We're all, all four of us are sharing a double booth. So it's going to be uh, an epic time but I remember going back through and looking at some of the stuff Devin was doing um, and some of the stuff Harlan Kantner was doing. And I just remember sitting down and just like staring at a couple of images saying, okay, why do I like this? What Mm -hmm. tricks are they using? You know, if it was an animal, are they doing each individual hair to create the texture? Um, You know, if it was a, say it was a lady head, right? What are uh-huh. they doing with the hair? How are they depicting the hair? Um, are, what are they doing with the hands? Are they doing you know, little wrinkles on the tops of the knuckles? Or are they leaving those a lot more simplified? What about their color palette? What, where's their contrast? How are they getting this kind of a look? Uh-huh. Um, you know, so I do a lot of studying, a lot of investigating, and a lot of like analysis of these, these things that I want to know how to do better. Um, creating these like, um, you know, these shapes that I'm doing here with the, uh, the contrast on this gorilla head. This is basically utilizing a very fundamental principle of just high contrast and shape, right? But what it's doing is it's creating the value that I'm looking for in the most simplified manner possible. I'm not overcomplicating it with fur. I'm not um, I might still add fur to it, but it's not overcomplicating anything, but it's getting the idea that light is hitting this cheek of this gorilla and then that that's curving in and then coming out into these folds on the neck. Um, mm-hmm. It's little little subtle things like that. Now, if I were to compare that to the actual photograph that I looked at as inspiration, I can get back to that. There we go. You know, you don't see that kind of a very hard. Oh, yeah, you don't see that. You don't. It's not there. Um, Mm -hmm. Not unless you take, you know, if I were to take this actual photograph and let's get rid of the color and let's increase the curves.
you might see a little bit of it here if you really increase that contrast a lot you can kind of see you know a shape here oh, let me do this in a different color so that you can kind of stand out but you can kind of see there's a lighter area there's a lighter area here and then this is a shape in and of itself right here. So you can kind of see a little bit of it, mm -hmm. but it's nowhere near as dramatic as the way I'm making. Yeah, I see what you mean. So it's little things like that, picking things up, adding, you know, excess contrast to create that shape and that value. Um, that's kind of what I'm, I'm working on now, as far as an exercise goes to improve. Um, mm -hmm. it's, uh, and it's something that, you know, I know is only going to benefit me in the long run, but just focusing on little things like that. But if I hadn't ever looked at Devin's or Harlan's work or any of those, you know, phenomenal Neo trad kind of guys, I would never have picked up on the fact that a lot of them do that. Uh, whether it's cheekbones, whether it's, um, you know, the, the area uh, right at the bottom of the chin and how they over, over, um, over exaggerate the shadows, certain things like that, or noses, right? Like there's always a, if you look at a lot of neo-trad um, images, anything with a face, you'll oftentimes see like a very hard, abrupt line that curves at the tip of the nose and then drops down almost like you're doing chrome, right? Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. it creates that mid-tone to light and then super dark to light kind of gradient that creates that rhythm so that nothing is ever really super dark to dark or light to light. Um, so it creates that kind of visual rhythm. Um, hmm. You know, you see it with a lot of different things, especially if you look at a lot of Canadian tattooers. Um, they use that trick a lot to create that rounded value on the nose to really make it look like it's starting here and the light's hitting it, light's hitting it, and then it's going into shadow and then down into your midtone automatically creates that dramatic kind of highlight and that dramatic kind of roundness to that object. Because mm -hmm. if you break things down, right, break things down into their super ultra basic shapes, right? You've mm -hmm. got a triangular pyramid shape for the nose that's capped with a sphere that rounds out the front of the nose, right? So if you were going to shade a sphere, and create that highlight, you would come up with something very similar. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, right. You know, so when you break things down to their basic, basic, basic elements, a lot of that dramatic lighting, a lot of that dramatic contrast and shape is there. Um, you just have to see it. You have to look for it. And you have to break things down in order to understand that. But I, once again, I would have never known had I not taken the time to sit back, study, examine, evaluate, 
you know, and understand why does, why are they putting this kind of a shape in this spot? Why, why are they doing this amount of contrast in this area? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, oh, well, they're doing that because that creates this kind of a shape. And that's because if you break this down into its very basic element, that's what this shape is. So if you exaggerate that, it's going to look like that. It's like, oh, I get it now. You know, same thing here. I'll probably add a little bit of a harder kind of round shape and then fade that out. Um, Now, granted, you can always make things more subtle. Um, and you can always make things more or less prominent. Um, but if it's going to be a high contrast kind of piece to really put a lot of value into it um, and really exaggerate certain things, if you really want certain things to stand out, break things down into their basic shapes, over-exaggerate that contrast, and it'll be there. Mm. I don't know. That's, once again, my no, two that's- no, I mean, that's, that's, you know, but that's, and that's kind of what I'm, I'm not going to say that, uh, I, uh, I'm just interested in getting better. And, and I find that like, I'm, I'm actually fine that I'm going towards more of a traditional style, um, okay. which is, you know, just kind of just simplifying things, you know, making things, breaking things down to their bare parts, you know, and, and I do find myself just determining the shapes of each into each of these individual you know, uh, pictures that I'm coming up with. And I'm, I'm saying, cause I used to always want everything to be so ornate, ornate, you know, ornate, right. so decorative and all of this stuff, but I'm finding that it's not, if, if you can't read it, if you don't have any good legibility, then the ornateness is just, it's, you know, it gets it doesn't lost. Matter. It gets lost. It gets lost. Yeah. Um, yeah your so, mind know. can't comprehend it if it's too complex. Right. Right. A great person to look at and the perfect example um, of stuff like that is Steph Bastian. Um, I'm a huge fan of his work. He's out of Europe. He does a lot more of a traditional style, um, Mm -hmm. but he's also trained as a portrait painter. So, but he went through this like renaissance a few years back where he decided to start simple, trying to get everything down to its base elements to make it more legible. So What's that he name? could use uh, Steph, S-T-E-F, Bastion. B-A-S-T-I-N, I believe. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very simplified. Very easy to read. Visual language. It doesn't matter what he's trying to depict. He can depict, you know, and there's images of, you know, people wrestling spiders. And you can very easily tell that it's someone or I think it was a demon actually wrestling a spider. It's very easy mm-hmm. and he makes it so easy to read and so legible, but they're still very ornate. There's not necessarily overcomplicated, but still ornate and complex, but 
but still very, very easy to read. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I really, really admire his work. Um, just realized my phone yeah. stopped. So I'm going to plug that into charge. <laughs> okay. Um, um, yeah, no, his work is phenomenal. Yeah, it's, yeah, and it's clean. Uh-huh. Super clean. But once again, his thing was minimum elements to create the visual language necessary to convey what something is. And that blew my mind, right? Because I was always under the impression that like, okay, well, people are going to understand what it is um, if I put this in and, well, gorillas have hair, right? So I need to do all the hair in there. People are going to know it's a gorilla. Mm-hmm. People are going to know that it's a mermaid that has scales. <laughs> right, right. People are going to understand what it is based on the shape. So why overcomplicate things? Why not make it easier for people to decipher what it is? Otherwise, people are going to get lost in all the detail. They're going to get lost in all the subtleties of like a chain link fence or beads on a necklace or texture in a skull. And sometimes mm-hmm. that can detract from what it is you're trying to convey. Right. And you don't want things to detract. You want things to just get the message across and compliment it. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where um that's that's where I'm at with that. And so thanks for um putting me onto that because that's that's really um you know exciting to see that that type of work. You know, yeah. and everything is everything seems to really a lot of artists seem to be going towards realism. A lot of the artists that are kind of that I'm around are going towards realism and, and um, you know, black and gray realism, hyper realism. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I find that uh, I am not going in that direction. I'm going in a different direction. And um, I find that uh, I still I mean, I, art is art, you know, um, and nobody nobody's going to tell me that my art is not going to be appreciated just because of this, not necessarily the most popular right now. Right. And that's the thing you get people out there that, you know, they enjoy black and gray realism. Great. More power to you. You know, hopefully you're doing it for the right reasons and you're doing it because mm-hmm. that's the type of art that you love to do. And you're not just doing it because you think that that's what's super popular right now, because that may change in the next five, 10 years. Right. Um, not saying that that's not still going to be desired, but you know, there's ebbs and flows and everything. Look at the 1990s, man. 1990s, everyone wanted huge, thick black tribal, mm-hmm. right? 20 some odd years ago, yeah, great, right? No problem, um, but want. still, in 20 years, that's changed, and we got back to the complete and total opposite end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from tribal, we got to biomech and biomech spurned different people that were doing, you know, traditional neo-trad, and, you know, starting to get out of that more simplistic design aspects, um, you know, and starting to get into the more complex things. And I've got a feeling that over the next 15, 20 years, we're going to start to see a resurgence of simplicity. Oh yeah, that's definitely going to happen. It you has know, to. so it, it it absolutely will. Um, uh-huh. You know, I'm calling it now. Go ahead. Uh, you can put me down, place bets on whether or not I'm right. 
I don't mm-hmm. care. Uh, but I've got a feeling that that's exactly where we're going to be heading because people over the next 20 years are going to start to see the way that these super, super subtle um, transitions, color shifts and stuff like that. People are going to start to see how they're healing and right. what their longevity is like. And I mean, some people may still go for it. More power to you. Um, if that's what you want to do, cool. But I think we're going to start to see a resurgence and people going back to a more simplistic way of doing things. Right. And what's interesting is I think that um, I wonder what, what it is though. You know what I mean? Like I think a lot of it has to do with a lot of young tattoo artists. They come right out the gate and they do everything that they were told not to do. And, mm-hmm. but, but it's because it looks good in the moment. It looks good on your Instagram. Oh, this is what we do. And then it's created a style. You know what I mean? But then just like you said, it's like 10 years from now when all the tattoos kind of come up and they're like, is it, is it looking as good? You know, um, the old heads are just going to be like, yeah, see? Yeah, it's you. like, we told you so. <laughs> um, and I'm not saying, don't get me wrong. I've seen fine line black and gray tattoos, portrait tattoos that have been done that are 20 years old that still look absolutely incredible. Absolutely. Um, and that's the thing. I'm not knocking what the, the, the young people, they are supposed to do that. They are supposed right. to come out of the gate and do all the shit that we told y'all not to do. That's that's how it works. You know what I mean? But this is also how it works. You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And not only can we do something that gets the same message across, but if we have the option to go through and do it using a much more simplified language that takes a lot less time, and is going to last far longer, then why would we not want to do that? Right. But it also depends on the mindset of the person getting it done, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's people out there that are like, yeah, this is what I want, you know, and and I know I need to go and get it touched up every five, 10 years. And, you know, I'm okay with that. And I know that's going to cost X amount of money. And, and it's like, well, all right. I mean, have fun with that. I'd rather get tattooed once and be done with it. Um, That way I'm not continuously spending the money and heaven forbid life doesn't work out and you no longer can afford to go and get things touched up, you know, every five Uh to 10 years. Um, Well, now you're walking around with a tattoo that doesn't look its best. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, Whereas my tattoo that I got done one time is going to look great for the rest of my life. Uh You know, and once again, I'm not knocking any styles. I'm not knocking any specific artists. Like I mentioned, there are great tattoo artists out there and fine line black and gray stuff, if done correctly, will stand up very, very well. I remember seeing a portrait of Stevie Ray Vaughan on Bob Tyrell's leg, and it's still incredible. And it still looks immaculate. And it's 18 years old. And you can still pick teeth out. You can oh, still wow. see the fretboard on a guitar, mm-hmm. right? It's mind-blowing um, how well it's held up over time. You know, it was also done by one of the best black and gray artists in the world, in mm-hmm. my personal opinion. Um, someone that most people nowadays have never even heard of, which is a shame, but, you know, that's the times we live in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a lot of it's also run by social media. You know, people want that instant gratification of like, you know, this is 
you know, this is what I just did and it looks amazing. doesn't really matter what it looks like in a, you know, 10 years or so. We'll just get them in and we'll charge them to touch it up and all that stuff. Um, you know, but this, this looks incredible right now. Right. Um, cool. Good for you. Mm-hmm. You know, more power to you. I would rather do tattoos that are going to last a bit longer. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's also my perspective on it. I mean, that's a good perspective. You know, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, I mean, I, I think that, that that is an educated perspective for somebody that's been tattooing for quite some time. That You know, you're able to kind of pick apart and, you know, notice what the trends are and things like that. Yeah, it's all good with. I mean, we've all kind of seen it. You know what I mean? We've all seen the, the crazes that happen. Like you get one picture on Instagram and now everybody wants the Sistine Chapel on the side of their finger, you know? Right. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, it's just one of those things that we've got to educate these people, you know what I mean? Yeah. Look at watercolor tattoos, right? <laughs> right? I always used right. to tell everyone that used to come in asking about those. I was... I used to tell them, like, hop on your phone real quick. I'll tell you exactly what to search. I want you to do a quick search for healed watercolor tattoo. Hmm. And I want you to look at it. And I want you to tell me if you still want a watercolor tattoo. Let me see if if it's what you still want. We can talk. But if you see that and you look at how it's going to age, and you look at how things are going to look in the long run and you don't want to get it. Cool. We can still do something similar. You can do a theme, a variation on it, but we'll do it so that it looks better once it's healed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, then again, maybe I'm, maybe I was just never taught the right way to do watercolor tattoos. I, I know. Think. Right. Right. Maybe that's it. You know what I mean? But I, I never liked, doing them I, I never quite understood them you know and then it's not even watercolor it's just it's abstract it's just abstract that's, that's you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah you know it's like okay so you want an ink splash yes just say that so a know? few dots and like some splashy stuff right mm, all right we can um yeah let me let me play with that idea for a minute Right, yeah, that's that's what it is. And now you've got all, like a whole minimalist movement going on where people are uh, yes. going ultra minimalist, where they're you know they're basically turning around. I want an image made with as you know only black lines and as few of them as humanly possible. <laughs> okay, we can try to figure that out. Yeah, and that's kind of the way that um. You know, but you do over time and through experience of working in this industry, you pick up on uh, little trends. You pick up on uh, what's popular and how things are going to go. And it's like, you know, I don't know about you, but I haven't really had anyone come in in the past few years that wanted a watercolor tattoo. No, and that used to be the style. It's no, it's it's yeah, it's definitely been quite some time. I don't know. Uh since anybody came in. Yeah, it's definitely been a while. Then again, I also haven't done a wolf in the woods, knock on wood, um, with blue eyes in quite a while, so 
because that was a thing yeah. for a while was silhouette trees and forest. Yeah, I haven't done one of those in a while either. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know what the trends are. I haven't even really been noticing any of the trends lately. What people have been getting. Now it's fine line. Yeah, it's fine line. Everybody's getting fine line tattoos right now. Yeah. See a lot yeah. of people coming in looking for fine line stuff. A lot of um you know, I think we were for a little while there, we were into an era of like portraiture and uh people wanting to get like you know just portraits of different things everything second, realism. Hey, what's, hey what's up bro yeah but you know just because it looks good now and just because it was uh just because it's the in thing right now doesn't mean that it's always going to be the end thing. You know, and, you know, maybe I'm wrong. And there will always be a demand for certain things and certain styles. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, there's still people out there that want Japanese work, and that's great. Um, and that hasn't been a super popular style for quite some time, even though I really, really admire it, especially more of like a... Uh, an illustrative kind of Japanese. I always like to put a little bit of a Western spin on it. Um, you know, but there's always going to be people out there that want certain things. And that's awesome. You know, finding our own niche is what really matters in our own way of doing things and developing our own style and our own unique signature and fingerprint on whatever it is that we do is the key. That's right. That's right, my good man. Hey, listen, I'm going to go ahead and sign off. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and work yep. with a client real quick. Um, yeah, I'm not too far behind you, man. I'm just finishing up the um, the black shading on this gorilla. I can get rid of my blue values study. Where it's always a pleasure talking to you, my good man. I'm glad that you have these... Uh, it's really it's really really great i learned a lot so um you guys can find me at tattoos by spirit at instagram tattoos by spirit on tiktok and tattoos by spirit.com awesome thank you very much as always for jumping in man always appreciate it my name is jason leeser um thank you for watching today uh you can always find me on instagram right up here at philly inc um and you can find me at philly inc on tiktok um, or you can always email me, Jason, at reinventingthetattoo.com, and um, I'll get back to everyone as soon as I possibly can. Thanks very much for watching every day. If you like today, everyone for watching everything today. Sorry, kind of mumbled my words there. Mm -hmm. um, if you like today's episode, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button down at the bottom of the page. And hopefully I will see everyone again next week here for episode 132 of Skill Building Sunday. Thank you very much, everyone. Take care and have a great day. Bye-bye.